Welcome to Because You Need to Know. I am Edwin K. Morse, President and Founder of Pioneer Knowledge Services. This series is your digital resource of valuable conversations with nonprofit and knowledge management enthusiasts from across industries and from around the globe. My name is uh, Bill Kaplan. I live in Camas, Washington, Washington State. The most interesting thing near me is Mount St. Helens. Fortunately, it's covered with snow, so that means it's not erupting. I am a uh, knowledge management consultant. I've been in the business of knowledge management consulting going on 23 years. I retired from the Air Force in 1998 with um, 25 years of service to the country. It's been fun all 40-something of those years. I've had a great time. One of the things that that I've been focused on over the last six to nine months. And, and, and it's really based on my background in um, acquisition and program management. And it has to do with the idea of requirements and knowledge management. Knowledge management, requirements, evidence-based understanding, leveraging lessons learned. In most organizations, there is usually somebody that is leading the lessons learned or organizational development or you know, fill in the blank. In a community where you've got community-based policing efforts that are homegrown to a degree until you get to a state level or federal level. Knowledge management has practical application, I would say, across any specific discipline, subject matter, area, thing that you would want to talk about. For example, we all know over the last year or two, social issues, economic issues, political issues have been at the forefront. And, you know, remember back to defund the police and what does the right kind of a police force look like? We had the Equality Act, national energy policy. And if you're a political animal, then you're going to be on the left side or the right side or independent in the middle. If you look below that, and this is, you know, clearly my own perspective, is that it's not going to be a left, a middle, or a right. Ideally, you're going to want to focus on what are the requirements? What outcomes do you want to have in a particular county or locale? And they're trying to decide what does good policing look like? The question you're asking is, what outcome do we want from making changes in the police force? What value can we get from it? But how do we know what that is? Well, there are many, many, many different areas where people have done things well and things people have done things that turned out differently they planned. And the lessons learned there form a basis for having that conversation. How do you build requirements and who's responsible for that? Because you can't pin it on the politicians, right? Because the politicians are temporary sit-ins. That's a really good question. And, it, and I think it really goes to the heart of, you know, who does this? How is it done? What are the why questions that have to be asked? Five to seven of them. It's going to take someone to step out in front and be a leader. In some places, you've got a community that isn't so polarized that they're willing to have, let's call it an independent perspective with no baggage in it, asking the questions, asking those questions. What outcome do we want? What value do we want? What evidence exists that we can bring into our 
our conversation, collaboration? Can we reach out to those people that have done things successfully and included that? You know, the idea of learning before, which is fundamental to evidence-based knowledge management and an understanding of how can I leverage what other people have done and does it make sense in my in my situation? So what you're saying is, is that if you do the research and look at other models that work or could be at least tried, you can look at experimenting and see what works. Exactly. And I would add to that that what we're talking about is behavior change. Right. Those people that have heard me speak, that have read my material, know that I believe that every knowledge management project effort is a change management effort at the same time because the goal of knowledge management, at least the way I look at it, is really always about continuous performance improvement. Everything else tends to fall under that, but in order to engage and to sustain whatever level of investment, resources, people, effort, time that you put into it. If I can interject, because I'm tracking with you, so the change management piece is almost anti bureaucratic. So if we're taking municipalities as a structure, we know how bureaucracies work. Changing a culture to adopt or adapt is the challenge. And that behavior modification, or I hate to use modification, but change towards requirements of a bigger pie, not somebody's little acre or somebody's pet project, but at least the largest community served. So let's go back to your model of the policing. So if you had local police beyond the Barney Fife domain, you know, of Mount Pilot, but of a larger community base, say a county, and that county base is broken up into smaller pies because then you've got cities and towns and burgs and they all have their layers. Here again, who's leading the band? Who's leading the band? Because the only time you hear about policing is usually around election time or if somebody's hand got caught in a cookie jar of some sort. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, I don't know if there is a specific right answer. In some places, we live across the river in Clark County, which has Vancouver and Camas and a bunch of other cities. We live right across from Portland. Portland was one of the most beautiful cities, um, which is one of the reasons why we moved here, but it has gone downhill. You've got a non-responsive mayor. You've got a very left-leaning city council made up of city commissioners. The gun violence rate, I forget the numbers. It was just on the news the other day, but they're like, I think they're double or triple what they were the same time last year to 50, 60 or 70. There was a gun violence reduction team um, in the midst of all of the Black Lives Matter uh, and George Floyd, it was defund the police. One of the commissioners said, I want to be the chief of police. The downtown is boarded up. People aren't going downtown on top of all of the COVID issues. Now they're opening up. But now there's shootings in broad daylight. And so they never had that conversation. They were so, they're still so polarized. But now the pressure's coming from the businesses. The businesses are moving out of town. Uh, restaurants aren't opening up. Um, so there's a lot, a lot of pressure to begin to have that conversation. You know, what does the right. evidence so show? What are the metrics that are indicators of the challenges that we have? What can we learn from what other towns, cities, counties, organizations, mm -hmm. you know, uh, the demographic areas, what have they done 
to come up with an answer to that question. And, you know, it's it's not one size no. fits all. Well, it's just like knowledge management, right? It's not one size fits all. It's got to be customized to the to the people, the constituents. But what's consistent is coming to agreement, whether you're on the left, the right, or the middle, in what outcome you want. And while you may not agree on it, there is a collaboration, there is a collaborative culture that's necessary to say, okay, maybe the police won't do this function, somebody else will, but this is what we want to have happen from doing that. You can have that conversation. There are lessons learned out there that you can take advantage of. Um, well, yeah, the, the big, you know, there's a, there's a lot of other, the big yeah, mystery exactly. piece of what you're saying is, is that you got to have engagement. You got to have conversations that requires somebody to listen. And if you don't have a combined vision, it's just like leadership. If you don't have a combined vision of what the mission is or the outcome should be, it's going to be this all the time. The municipal structure wants to democratize their knowledge and build a knowledge ecosystem just like you would in an organization of any other size uh, or purpose. The idea is to make that a, an accessible and trust-building culture that is not afraid to fail, not afraid to try, and try to change. But as we both know, bureaucratic structures are not meant for fast change. And which actually I was going to save till later, but let me just diverge a little bit, or I wouldn't call it digress, a divergence, to talk about knowledge management in the public sector. Okay. Here's the challenge. And I've, I've seen this and I still believe this. Um, and I can give you a couple of examples of why that doesn't work. Please. Why, why that's true. Number one, in the public sector, and based on the planning and budgeting process, it's not like in the private sector where you recognize there's a challenge, you decide you're going to budget for it, you go out and find a consultant if that's what you need, you bring the consultant in, you work with the consultant, you solve your challenge. You can do that in a relatively short period of time. Government, because of the procurement rules, because of the planning and budgeting process, and I'm not necessarily taking exception, I mean, this is the way those things have to be done, although they can be done more effectively, but that's the way they do it. The point is, is that there isn't really long-term planning. Very often in the government, I can tell you from being a consultant to government and industry, but is that very often at the end of the government fiscal year, there's money that has to be spent. If you don't spend it, you don't have it to spend. It goes away and it, and it can impact. It used to impact what you would get the, the next year. And so there'd be some early adapter, somebody really smart who says, oh, I have a problem. I need the money. And they're high enough up in the uh, food chain to be able to make the budgeting decision and the programmatic decision. And then you end up doing a knowledge management project. You do something very effective, but there's no follow on money. And so all of the buzz, all of the progress that's made, it gets tossed out or you get a change in um, leadership with a political appointee versus a, a career civil servant. And you end up with all of that money, not only going nowhere, but problems or what I'd say, a, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going to say a detriment. Well, it perpetuates the problem. I mean, the problem never really gets a redress. Well, well sports specifically, it loses the buzz. Yeah. People lose the enthusiasm yeah. and they go, oh, yeah, well, knowledge management doesn't work, whatever that knowledge management project was. And so those things of changing leadership, long-term budgeting, not being able to budget. I've only had one project where the leadership was insightful enough in the federal government, this was in the VA, 
to look at the instant contract for that year and then option years out that they fully funded in order to do a knowledge management project, which turned out to be wildly successful. So um, it's very clear. They were very clear requirements. They knew what outcomes they wanted. They worked with the consulting team uh, from the top down. Um, they understood that it was a behavior change for the workforce led by the leadership, supported by the consultant. Those are right. those are the issues in the public sector. And to take that one step further. So let me just ask this. Does the yeah, public yeah. sector need to model a CTO, a CKO, and a COO? Should we start building business processes more inherent versus personalities in, in bureaucratic situations? If you're asking if the kinds of structure you see in the public private sector would make sense in the public sector, the answer is yes. And I don't know if you recall, I don't even remember how many years ago it was, could have been 10 or 13, there were chief knowledge officers in federal agencies. And in fact, I remember, I can't remember the woman's name, but GSA had the first chief knowledge officer. And the focus was on some of the things that we're talking about. But you cannot find a chief knowledge officer in the federal government anymore. And, and the way I look at it is in private sector, or in a private company, you have a profit motive and a you have you're competitively you're motivated to stay competitive you're motivated to stay in existence and you're going to do the things that you need to do in order to leverage your strategic assets well people are strategic asset technology strategic asset information strategic asset and you have people accountable for that cios ctos cfos human capital officers vice presidents of hr you don't often have someone who is accountable for leveraging the knowledge of the organization. Right. And I, when I talk about knowledge, I'm talking about information, which means you have to be attached at the wrist and ankles to the CIO and the CTO, but also in being able to capture what is being learned. It, no, being able to capture the know-how and the know-why of what you do, making sense out of that, distilling it, and characterizing it for reuse. That's your responsibility to leverage that, not leverage knowledge as a strategic asset. And I forget the numbers, but many organizations, particularly in the service industry, don't produce products, they produce knowledge. Why would you not have someone accountable to leverage that? Well, in the federal government, there is no profit motive. Basic budgeting, accountability, I'm talking about counting accountability, um, isn't necessarily on the front burner. Well, what lessons have we learned in the past? Did they ask the question? I don't know if they did or not, but I would I want to know that government, Congress, Senate, leadership has asked the question, what outcome do we want from a $1.9 trillion, mm -hmm. the American Rescue Plan? And I'll, I'll go out and, and state a position here is that there was a lot of stuff in there that had nothing to do with COVID. Now, why couldn't that have been taken up later? Could it have been done if it was focused totally on COVID? Could there have been a bipartisan approach to this? Was there evidence, were there lessons learned that could have been taken advantage of? And instead of waiting until now, could that have been done in September, October of last year? I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know the answers yeah. to all these questions, but again, it comes back down to requirements, collaboration, asking the outcome questions, finding out what kind of uh, evidence-based insight there is and leveraging what
other people have done that have turned out successfully mm -hmm. and taking advantage of the understanding of the things that have not been done that didn't turn out the way they were planned. Well, thanks for coming in today, Bill. It's been exciting. I'm sure we've got lots to talk about. We'll have you back again. But before you go, can you tell me what knowledge management is? Yeah, really good question. Very quickly, the, before you def define knowledge management, I think you have to define what knowledge is. And I, I had to do this. I was on the spot in about 2005, and I didn't have a good answer. And so when I work with clients, they're not interested in the academic perspective. I'm not, I'm not dissing the academic side, but practically speaking for the people that run businesses or organizations, knowledge really is comprised of two things. Information, it's codified, you can search for it, it's explicit, even books on your desk. And then there's tacit, it's personal. That's the experience. So information plus experience equals knowledge. Organizations, that can leverage all of the information in the organization and all of their experience are much better able to adapt to change. They're much better able to make better decisions because they've got a knowledge base in which they can rely on. If I was to summarize it, I would say knowledge management is about improving the ability for individual teams and organization to continuously improve performance through the ability to capture, adapt, find, transfer, download, and reuse the knowledge of the organization to continuously improve performance. That was a mouthful, but I, I really believe it, that that's really what we're talking you're, about you're here. preaching to the choir. I appreciate that. All right, Edwin, thank you so much for including me in your program. I appreciate it. Bye. Thank you, sir. Because You Need to Know is designed to bring people's experience and their knowledge forward to be shared. I'm Edwin K. Morris, and I thank you for joining in to listen to another conversation brought to you as a public service of Pioneer Knowledge Services, a nonprofit tax exempt organization with a charitable knowledge management purpose. Find us online at pioneer ks.org and add your voice to the conversation on Facebook.